This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. A program for and about America's 78 million baby boomers. Here's your host, Freddie Bell. Hi, everyone. This is New Beginnings. I am Freddie Bell. Glad you're with us today. And coming up on the show, many of our favorite partners, including Libel Sturmbach is here, Joe McKenzie, and friends from AARP Minnesota. All this plus the words to the wise on New Beginnings. And our program is underway right now. Thank you for joining us this weekend. As we turn to the holidays, we also can't lose sight of the fact that COVID is still running rampant and the so-called triple-demic. Health leaders are urging caution at holiday gatherings as respiratory viruses continue spreading. A spike in flu and RSV levels early in the season is combining with COVID-19 and filling hospitals. Federal data released last week shows an 86% hospital occupancy rate. Officials say more More than 10% of patients had COVID-19, flu, or both. A new report from the CDC is saying long COVID played a large part in more than 3,500 deaths in the United States over the first 30 months of the COVID-19 pandemic. The report I'm citing is the CDC's first attempt to put a number on long COVID deaths. The report also found that the vast majority of people who died from long COVID were older, male, and white. Health officials all across the country are urging individuals to wear a mask where appropriate to make sure that you keep your distance and to keep yourself safe, if not others safe around you. In our never-ending effort to find valuable information and insight in all areas, it's time to bring in Cassie Crandall with this week's Three Things. Thank you, Freddie. Ho, 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 and Merry Christmas. It's Cassie Crandall with your three things this week. My thing one, Christmas may be quickly approaching, but there still are holiday light displays to take advantage of and events throughout the state of Minnesota to check out before the end of the year. There are some drive-through displays. Hop in the car to see thousands of sparkling lights at drive-through displays at Seavers Holiday Lights in Shakopee through January 1st, Celebrate the Light of the World in Wilmer through December 31st. Also, if you want to go outstate Minnesota, the Sertoma Winter Wonderland in Baxter through December 31st, head south to Mankato, the Kiwanis Holiday Lights going on through December 31st, 1.5 million LED lights, animated displays, a skating rink, horse-drawn wagon rides, Santa Claus, live reindeer. Admission is free. Again, that's in Mankato, the Kiwanis Holiday Lights. And then if you want to go up to Duluth, there is the Bentleyville Tour of Lights through December 26th. Duluth's Bayfront Festival Park on Lake Superior transforms into America's largest free Walk-through lighting display, shining bright with 4 million lights. Admission is free. Again, that's the Bentleyville Tour of Lights through December 26th up in Duluth. Thing number two. What's your favorite holiday movie? Our family really loves Christmas Vacation. It's a tradition that we gather together and watch and we laugh and maybe we even watch it a few times and not just once. But there are other traditional favorites, like It's a Wonderful Life, 
Four Christmases is pretty funny. And my husband, of course, is the king of the Christmas Hallmark movies. My personal favorite is Love Actually, which really isn't a holiday movie. It, I mean, it came out at the holidays and we usually watch it at the holidays, but it's pretty much a year-round thing. And I'm a romantic, and so I always have to watch Love Actually. What's your favorite? And lastly, my thing number three, it's a quote, never beg for a seat when you can build your own table. Food for thought. Have a great week, everybody. For New Beginnings, I'm Cassie Crandall. Thanks so much, Cassie. We'll talk to you again next week. And now, our supporting partner, AARP in the Twin Cities. Joining us right now is an individual who's no stranger to our airways. He is with AARP Minnesota. He's the Associate State Director of Community Engagement. And uh, I'm thinking that because we're into December, Jay Happala, that uh, holiday scams are probably on the agenda. Uh, Is it the same old scam or is there something new that's happening that's dealing with Santa Claus itself? (laughs) Well, there's always something new. I don't know if we got to look out for old St. Nick coming down your chimney or anything like that, but the scammers... They take a special focus this time of year because they know whether you're ready for holiday season or not, it's here. <laughs> so there's no ho-ho-ho <laughs> scam. Well, maybe you and I can think one up. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that'll be the new thing. Tell us about the Fraud Watch Network. What do you do? Yeah, so at ARP, we listen to our members. We listen to the public. We know people are concerned about identity theft. We know they're concerned about scams. So we set up this hotline. And folks can call in and get help if they need some help navigating all these different kind of scams that are coming to their email inbox, they're coming over the phone, they're coming uh, to their mailbox out on the curb, and we help people figure it out. We give them help. And we're, and we're doing research on all of these scams so we can understand it and stay a step ahead of the con artists. Uh, we just did a survey that was focused on the holiday season and fraud, and we did some. We focused on online shopping because that's what folks are doing. We focus on gift cards because those are a big risk for for all of us. Um, and we focus on some charity scams as well. Wow! So can you break it down for us? What uh, you know? I'm not too cheerful right now. <laughs> no. no, we're just giving people the information that, so they can have. Uh, a happy holidays instead of a crappy holidays. So um, it's all the information that empowers us. So um, when it comes to online shopping, our survey found that 35% of people in the United States have experienced fraud when they're looking at online ads. So shopping online is, it can be, it's safe, but when you see these pop-up ads that show up on your phone or your computer screen, that's where um, the fraud is happening. So be just be aware of those pop-up ads that you don't recognize. You know the websites that you go to to shop, and you can use those safely. But watch out for those strange ads that pop up. Um, the kind of companies you haven't seen before, never heard of before, even though the deal looks good, it's probably too good to be true. Uh, so you're saying don't, uh, don't click on those things that just kind of pop up when you're looking for something else. Right. If you're browsing online or especially on social media, you're scrolling through and all of a sudden you see something that looks pretty cool and it looks like a great deal. But, you know, those pop up ads that just pop up on your screen that you're not looking for, those are probably too good to be true. 
You know, uh, we're talking with Jay Hapala. He, he is a part of the Fraud Watch Network with AARP. Uh, Miss Helfinger, my wife, will tell me that uh, if you see something that looks interesting, especially when you're on Facebook, don't click on it on Facebook. Is that a good rule of thumb? That's pretty good advice. There's not a lot of scrutiny or, you know, sort of checks and balances for who's posting what on social media, whether it's you, me, or some scammer who's trying to, you know, collect everyone's credit card number and their personal information. What about the gift card scams? Yeah, you know, uh, you know, we're spending billions of dollars on gift cards, and it's safe to give gift cards to use gift cards, but people just need to realize that there's not consumer protection. So once your money goes on to that gift card, if if someone steals it, if you lose it, you're not getting that money back. It's not the same thing of, as having money on your debit card or your credit card. Um, and, folks, this time of year, you just got to be cautious about purchasing the gift cards in the stores. So, you know, the criminals, they have ways of going to the racks and they scratch off the back of the gift card and they get the information off of it. So just be careful if you're buying gift cards if they haven't been tampered with in the store. Wow. We're 20, talk- in fact, 26% of adults have had bought a gift card that didn't have any money on it. What? Yeah, about a quarter of people say that they bought a gift card and turns out there was no money on it. Oh, no. And that's buying the card right there from the store. Yeah, that's the that's the risky way that people are ending up with these gift cards that don't have money. Because on those big racks in the big stores, the cards might have been tampered with. So is there a safe way to purchase a gift card? Yeah, if you can, you know, deal directly with the retailer instead of going to those big racks, you can deal directly with the retailer. Or even if you can trust the website and buy them online, you know that they haven't been tampered with by someone who just comes on into the store and starts scratching off the (laughs) back of the gift card. You also mentioned charity scams. This is a time when people are donating and fundraising and all the rest of it. Tell, Tell us about that. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, it's a great part of our culture here in Minnesota and across the country that we give to charity. Um, But the dang scammers are getting in the way and they are coming up with these fake charities. So, you know, the bottom line when it comes to giving to charity is just deal with the people you know. Even though you might see an ad advertisement that really pulls on your heartstrings, you got to do your research and not just, you know, click on the link or call the phone number just because they've... Uh, sort of captured your emotions we got to do our research about these charities charities that we're given to so can you put a holiday bow on all of this jay see what i did there so (laughs) hey yes with online shopping with gift card scams charity scams what is your general message to folks who are listening to you today about uh, protecting themselves and their hard-earned money Yes, sir. And, you know, whether it's holiday season or tax season or who knows what season, the scammers are always out there. And there's a lot of money for them to steal from, you know, people who are working really hard out there to just have a little bit to get by. And so it's unfortunate in our times that we have to be so cautious. But a little bit of information goes a long way. So if you just spend this time listening to the radio this morning thinking about fraud and how you can protect yourself and how you can protect your loved ones, then, you know, stay educated. And, and you can go to our Fraud Watch Network. It's online, aarp.org slash Fraud Watch Network. And you can find out about the next scams what they when they come up with them, and you'll make sure you don't, you know, get involved in any of those either. All right. Do you have a final thought for us this morning, Jay Hapala? Have a Merry Christmas, Freddie. How about that? Rather than a crappy holiday. 
That's right. Happy holidays <laughs> instead of crappy holidays. All right. Thank you so much. We always, uh, I want to say we enjoy coming, but you bring bad news, but you also give us hope, too. <laughs> we can there get out of some of this stuff. It's like how the Grinch has a happy ending, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Thanks so much for being with us, Jay. The holiday season is here, and what better gift to give than the gift of positivity, enlightenment, and of course, good cheer. The ultimate holiday gift this year? Words to the Wise by Freddie Bell. Available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and FreddieBell.com. Ensure the special people on your holiday list are greeted each day with a positive, thoughtful, yet uplifting message. So this holiday season, give the gift you know they'll love. Words to the Wise by Freddie Bell. You're listening to New Beginnings. New Beginnings with Freddie Bell. And joining us right now is our career expert, Mr. Joe McKenzie. We've been side by side at this microphone for quite some time. He's here today to talk about a wonderful topic. But first, Joe McKenzie, tell us about Ripple Connects. Well, Freddie Bell Ripple Connects is the company that I founded uh, a number of years ago to help people reinvent, recalibrate their careers. And we do that through very specific methods. And sometimes, Freddie, even just having a conversation with someone can set them in the right direction. There's so many resources out there that I'm honored to be able to talk to the New Beginnings listeners about some actionable steps that they could take this weekend on in regards to what's the next step and what is the new beginning in their career. That's a wonderful thing. And that leads us to... Our conversation today, you're talking about conversations, holiday season yes. conversations. And uh, when, he, when you're talking about holiday conversations, you're not talking about uh, did you hang the mistletoe? Uh, what do the ornaments look like? What are you ex- exactly talking about? Well, I think the holidays traditionally, you know, are a time for to reconnect with people. They are a time to reconnect with your diverse network nodes of people. And what I mean by that is it could be your former colleagues, it could be your faith organization, people you volunteer with, your own company, friends, families, brother-in-laws, all different conversations that, yeah, are going to evolve with, hey, what have you been up to? How have you been? And I do see this as a informal way to kind of plant seeds with the people that know you, that love you, that want to champion you. And I can't think of a better opportunity in any given year is the holiday season when we see so many different people uh, in in different walks of our lives to kind of springboard our our job search for 2023 by maybe planting seeds now in the next couple of weeks as we go through the New Year's. We're going to see a lot of different people, Freddie. I think it's uh, beneficial to someone that knows us, to know what we're thinking, but also to benefit us who might be looking to make a change in 20, 2023, Freddie. Interesting. So as you're talking about the holiday conversations, do you think uh, with the Minnesota nice and the Midwestern mentality that uh, people might be off put by someone talking about their career and their career aspirations around a glass of eggnog? I don't think so. I think Minnesotans like to reconnect, catch up. And if you're truly around people that know you, your greater network, your, your people you volunteer with that, and you've worked with, I think they'd want to know how you are. They, they ask those questions. And I'm not saying make this, make your career dominate any conversation. I say plant seeds and set up maybe some more, more formal or sit downs maybe after the holidays. But I don't think so, Freddie, if it, if it doesn't dominate the conversation. If you simply come across and say, Hey, Freddie, I'm looking to make some career moves in 2023. 
Uh, in my case, I would like to uh, consider opportunities with larger nonprofits, maybe on the community development side. So if you know anybody in that area, certainly uh, pass my name along that I'm looking to make a move. And it could be, Freddie, it could be as simple as that. That could be the conversation, right? So that, that, just, that doesn't overwhelm the holidays, right? No, it doesn't. So you're just, as uh, as you're passing the peas, you say, you know what, uh, you know, these peas make me think about how what we're trying to do is progress and perform and really uh, perceive our customers' differences, and that's what we're doing in 2023. Exactly. Exactly. That, that's, I think it's, uh, the opportunities are there, but we're, you know, we're Minnesotans, uh, we're happy to see each other. We're coming out of the pandemics where a lot of people are getting together maybe for the first time in some years. And here, here's an opportunity to plant those seeds. And, uh, I don't think it's being, uh, I, I think you're still being mindful by bringing it up in a conversation. And you do that, you know, with the people that you know and trust. You don't tell everybody that, but the ones that you know and trust, why, why wouldn't they want to know what you're trying to do? They want to help you. And even if you just give them some clarifications on what you're looking for, you know, maybe that's just the setup for that next coffee meeting after the holidays are over. So this seems like this would be a perfect time of the year as you go into 2023. Yeah. And I've talked about this with you for several years that traditionally the first quarter of each year is the strongest hiring months where budgets open up new product lines. There's a lot of, a lot of moving pieces to this, but traditionally January, February, March are when companies do a lot of their hiring. And so here we talk about December and being ready for that first quarter to maybe make a move. This is a perfect opportunity because the traditional strongest hiring months are just ahead. The traditional hiring months are just ahead. So how would you suggest that someone prepare for the first quarter of next year? Well, along with, um, getting into conversations and allowing, taking the steps now for your name to be mentioned in conversations within your, your network, you know, look at how do you prepare, look at, start taking inventory of the diverse touch points in your network. I think, you know, now that you're speaking with people, you're going to see family and friends, you're going to see former colleagues whom you volunteer with, start taking inventory of who your bench of advocates are. And that is a great setup for, uh, the hiring months ahead, because really what Freddie, the step that you're taking in getting it out in the universe by saying something is that you're also having a conversation about what you want to do. You actually start taking um, stock of what you've accomplished and how you went about it. When I've talked about, you know, how do you interview, you know, you talk about, you know, knowing what your star stories are, you know, what, what accomplishments you have, Engaging with your bench of advocates in the first month of 2023 is going to be a great step for you to set the tone for a lot of the things that are coming down the pike. And that's, that's, that's how I would begin to prepare and just use this opportunity in the holidays with these conversations to springboard that and set up your January with uh, more formal conversations over a cup of coffee. Joe, remind me of what the star conversations are. Start conversations. When, when someone asks you behavioral based interview questions, they're asking you, tell me a time that your team accomplished X. And really what you're trying to do with the star is just describe the situation that you're in, what you're working in, how big a team, uh, working remotely, uh, what you were tasked to do or what your team was tasked to do. And, 
and and then move on to the accomplishments of that team or your individual accomplishments and then tie in the results so you can say therefore we were able to launch that website 3 months ahead of time because of that because of the actions that we took the star is just a well-known method that's out there in the out there on the internet and if you can just google star method it just helps frame your your accomplishments and it gives you a very con- clear concise way to answer those questions because you really don't want to take 15 minutes to answer a question you want to take less than 5 minutes to set that up because really you want to pique the curiosity of that interview for you know and they say something like well tell tell me a little bit more about how you came in under budget and on time now now you've set that up right and that's just simply the star method and uh, it's widely recognized, but it's also the best way today to answer behavioral-based interview questions in 2023. It makes me think about when you talk about holiday season conversations, that maybe I need to have uh, a 30-second elevator pitch that I talk to someone uh, with as I'm passing the, the guacamole for some chips or something like that. Yes, you should be comfortable asking for what you want. And who, you know, what are some next steps? And if you give people actionable steps, like, you know, who do you know that might be able to introduce me to someone in that, that mid-sized nonprofit arena? Now you, now that, that can be part of your 30 second, second, uh, delivery because you're giving them actionable steps. And most people that know and love us want to champion us, want to do right by us. So it, within that 30, 60 minute second, 60 second uh, elevator pitch. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure you want to, you let them know how they can help you too. That makes a lot of sense. And so we're just about out of time, but can you give us three things we should be doing this weekend in preparation for the first quarter and for those holiday conversations? Start taking inventory of the t- different touch points that you're going to have here in the coming weeks through the first of the year and all the different settings that you're going to be in the reconnection times that you're with your with your friends, family, colleagues, faith organization, volunteers, start to think about who you want to uh, seek out to, to plant that seed with. That That's first and foremost. But also know what you want to tell them. You can't just say, I want a new job in 2023. You want to give them sp- some specifics. And most importantly, Freddie, give them some actionable steps that they can help you so they drive away with you on the top of their mind, thinking about who they connect. they can connect you to. Well said. That's Joe McKenzie, the founder of Ripple Connects. His website is rippleconnects.com. You can reach him by phone if you like, 763-438-1621. And Joe McKenzie, you continue to do fantastic work at Ripple Connects. Thank you, Freddie Bell. We turn candidates into contenders. You're listening to New Beginnings. How about a little fun right now on New Beginnings? A review of medical research found that cheese may not be as bad for you as previously thought. I guess that's good news for lovers of Will Ferrell movies. And just a reminder that five years ago, people were sharing photos of candy cane pizzas. Yes. If the electric guitar strains at the beginning of Jingle Bell Rock spike your heart rate and cause your body to break out in a cold sweat, you're not insane. In fact, one expert says playing too much Christmas music is bad for your mental health. A clinical psychologist at the British Psychological Society says people working in stores at Christmas have to tune out Christmas music because if they don't, it really does stop you from being able to focus on anything else. 
that psychologists says that hearing Christmas music in the ear, the grocery store aisle, and even at the hair salon reminds people of all the errands people need to finish before December 25th arrives, and that can be stressful. And researchers say that we get impatient and agitated if we have to wait longer than 20 seconds for this, an elevator. And when it comes to shopping for gifts, men are the worst. Men push the deadline, bargain less, and spend too much. 10% of men plan to wrap up their Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve. For women, it's 3.5%. And who decorates the tree? Among the people I talk with, most women do it. And if men do it, many wives go back and fix a lot of the things that they did wrong. And it seems that grandparents are doing what grandparents do. Complain about their kids' kids. They don't like how you're raising your kids at all. As a matter of fact, 67% of grandparents think that they're better parents than their kids are. And in your family discussions this weekend, maybe you can narrow it down to just one. What's the biggest problem with, quote, kids these days? Just for fun, and I'm Freddie Bell. This is a news-oriented broadcast, and all information is educational in nature is not intended to be legal, securities, tax, or insurance advice. Please consult with the appropriate professional before acting on information heard during the broadcast. You're listening to New Beginnings. New Beginnings with Freddie Bell. Now let's turn our attention to financial health and retirement with Libel Sternbach, Amazon's best-selling author of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity. He's a great man. I enjoy talking with you, Libel. Hello and welcome back to New Beginnings. Hey, how are you doing today? Unbelievable. Real quick, let's talk about Roth. What is a Roth conversion, Libel? So a Roth conversion is essentially when we decide to pay taxes on our retirement accounts and choose when and how we pay taxes. Ordinarily, we would pay taxes when we take the money out of the account and we would take it, you know, out in retirement. Well, a Roth conversion is saying, hey, I'm going to pull out more money than I need. I am going to pay taxes on that immediately and I'm going to put it in this Roth account. Now, the benefit of this Roth account is that it grows tax-free and when we take the money out, it's tax-free on the distributions. Of course, there's an asterisk with that that we'll talk about more about, but essentially that's what it is. It's paying taxes when it's convenient to you and not when it's convenient in Congress. We're talking with Libel Sternbach, and of course we're talking about the Roth conversions today. You know, Libel, it seems like there's a lot of opinions out there about Roth conversions. Do them when you're in the lower tax bracket. Don't trigger something called IRMA. I like to call it IRMA. Go into a higher tax bracket. What are your thoughts about all of this, Libel? So I think that, you know, these are nice hypothetical discussions and like lots of things in finance, we can get caught in the weeds. We can talk about, you know, like what's theoretically the best decision to do, right? What's the best stock to buy? What's the best bond to buy? What's the best, you know, RMD or Roth conversion decision? But at the end of the day, all of the hypothetical decisions and all the hypothetically best things to do really don't carry any water, hold any water when it comes to your retirement. Because this is your retirement we're talking about. We're talking about the money that you need to live on, the money that you need to count on, that you need to be there for the rest of your life and your spouse's life and maybe even your children's. Right. So when we're talking about that, what we need to look at is really, is it going to create the experience that we want to have? Is, is the decisions that we're making is, you know, converting, doing this Roth conversion, is it going to help 
our retirement? Is it going to make our money last longer? Is it going to give us more income in retirement? Or is it going to detract from that? Because at the end of the day, that is the only thing that matters. Not some theoretical decision of, you know, will this theoretically save me money if I live to 120? Yeah, I mean, maybe theoretically, but I don't care about theory. I care about practice. And so that's really when it comes down to it. I think that every single person it has a unique decision, right? And how much to convert, if you should convert, when you should convert, that is a uniquely personal decision. And I, I really, it really gets to me when people make these blatant, uh, you know, st- uh, statements out there. And they say, oh, everyone should convert. Everyone should do this. Everyone should do that. No, ev- you are not everyone, right? You are a unique human being. So how do you convince someone that they are unique and that uh, the these statements that they're espousing actually are just statements? Is that among the biggest mistakes that people make? I, I think that one of the biggest mistakes, I, I think probably the biggest mistake that I see people making, especially right now, um, is to do these massive Roth conversions up front. Um, I, you know, for some people, I recommend Roth conversions. For the vast majority of people, I actually show them that, you know, either doing a small conversion or not doing any conversion at all is beneficial for them. But I do tell them, right, the, the, the concerns that we have today about doing Roth conversions like the fact that our tax code is scheduled to expire in 2026, the fact that every administration comes in and puts their stamp on the tax code, the fact that we have high inflation, the fact that we have, you know, interest rates are rising, which means that the federal deficit and the federal debt service cost is going to go up, right? All of these are reasons why we should be concerned about taxes increasing, But the thing that I also tell everyone is that you can bet that Congress is going to have a way to protect their money. And that um, in the United States, the tax code is not set up to collect revenue. It's actually an extension of our economic policy. It is a way for the government to incentivize behaviors that drive our economic engine. And so there will always be opportunities for us to reduce our taxable income in retirement, to be able to reduce the impact that that has. And so what we want to be is strategic about the decisions that we make and make sure that we have as many options as possible. Now, having said all that, there are people, right, if you have all your money tied up in a retirement account, right, then you are right for Congress to come after. And we might want to do a Roth conversion at that point, not because we're worried about taxes, but because we don't want to have Congress be able to dictate when and how we take money out. And we don't want to be subject to the whims of Congress. Um, You know, and when we do that, we want to make sure that we do it in a way that's beneficial to our retirement and that it doesn't detract from our retirement. And the answer for that is going to be different for every single person. It's going to depend on your tax bracket. It's going to depend on how much money you need, how much money you need in retirement, right? What your shortfall is, how much your, you know, what your health is, how well your age is. There are so many factors that are individual. How do you combat somebody or how do you counsel them when they say, well, I read this report and Mr. Sternbacher says I should be doing A, B, and C, but you're talking about I should follow an idea based on what I've told you of one, two, and three. How do you come back? So I, I always, I, I always say, you know, two things, right? And and I get this question 
all the time, right? I mean, <laughs> almost every single conversation I have with a new person begins with, well, I read this article or my current advisor told me X, Y, Z. What are your opinions about it, right? And and I always, you know, my answer is always the same. It's, you know, those are great ideas um, and they work for a certain set, a subset of people, right? They're They're the perfect solution for a certain person. Now, I don't know if you are that person, right? And from the information that you've given me, you don't know if you're that person and I don't know if you're that person. And the only way we're going to figure it out is to actually map it out, right? Let's put pen to paper. Let's map out the future, you know, figure out what it, it what exactly will impact us and will this have a positive or negative impact, right? And when people say, well, you know, but, but the Wall Street Journal said this or, you know, Motley Fool said this, right? The answer is, is they're selling headlines, right? They're selling views, right? And when you're trying to, when you're trying to get people to read something, when you're trying to engage people, you say really strong, bold statements, right? Because that attracts people. It riles people up. It makes people feel like, you know, this is the truth, right? And either I feel strongly for it or against it. And it gets people engaged. Your retirement is not a, a political statement. Your, your retirement is not, you know, some headline that gets viewership. It is, it, it is your experience, right? It is the, your life. And we don't want to, you know, have some headline truth. We want to have the experience that we've worked really hard to have. And the only way we're going to do that is by doing the hard work, right? Don't let anyone convince you that there's a shortcut to doing the hard work. There are no shortcuts to hard work. So tell us about, and you've mentioned this before, what is the five-year rule and what are some of the common mistakes that people are making concerning it? Yeah, so so when we look at Roth conversions, right, and we look at the mistakes that, you know, uh, people make or that, I mean, even advisors and financial professionals and the media, right, the things that they espouse, right, so so the things that you will encounter are taxes are going to go up. So let's convert it also where at lower taxes, right? Which, you know, there may be truth to taxes are going to go up. I, I do believe that taxes are going to go up, but that doesn't mean it's going to go up for you, right? But the other thing is, is if you're going to pay a whole bunch of money in taxes now, that's going to decrease your portfolio value, which means it's going to decrease the amount of money that you have to grow your assets on, right? And so depending on where you are in retirement is going to determine how much of an impact that's going to have on your retirement lifestyle, right? Because that's going to directly impact how much money you have. So mistake number one would be converting too much upfront. Mistake number two is if you don't have anything converted, you know, and you do need to convert, right? Then not doing the conversion. So it's, you know, it's two sides to that coin. So you have to every single year look and make the decision of, do I do a Roth conversion this year? If so, how much do I do? And it is it is very much a game day decision. The next thing, right, is you want to look at, you know, kind of how does this affect your overall picture? So you have, you know, um, you know, are there things you can do to take advantage, which we can talk more about the five year rule, which is a negative impact. Right. So I can when I take that money out of my retirement account, I don't necessarily have to put it into a Roth account. I can put it in a brokerage account. If I put it in a brokerage account, right? I I have to pay taxes every time I have capital gains, but it also means I can harvest losses. It also means that I can borrow money against it, which means that when the market, if the market is down and I have a significant amount of my brokerage account, I can borrow, live off of that, 
and then repay that loan when the market recovers. That's one of the things that the wealthy do to stay wealthy. It's how they, how their investments are constantly growing because they don't have to tap into it when the market is down. And so that's something that you can do by, again, not doing a Roth conversion. Now, five-year rule is something that kind of rears its ugly head where when you do a Roth conversion, Congress says, well, we don't want you just doing this conversion and then getting money tax-free, you know, growing it and having it tax-free. You don't get this benefit for free. So in order to get this benefit, you're going to have to hold that money in this Roth account for at least five years and not touch it. You have to be over 59 and a half, which you'll probably, you're probably already at that point. Um, but you gotta, it's gotta sit there, right? It's gotta mature. It's gotta, you know, um, marinate. And if you are, living off of this money, then you're not going to see that benefit and you're going to actually get hit by a 10% tax penalty. So we need to be careful about that. And we need to be careful about things like Irma, which is, you know, the Medicare premium, which is tied to your income. So if we do these Roth conversions and that jacks up our taxable income, all of a sudden our Medicare premiums may go up, which also is the flip side, the argument when people say why, well, actually you should do these high Roth conversions early so that later in life, your retirement premiums are lower. And that's, you know, uh, because of uh, RMDs, which we can talk about more in a few minutes. We only have time for one more question. Uh, and um, um, just based on what you're telling us, how can we or what are some tips you can share with us to help avoid some of these common Roth conversion mistakes, Libel? So n- number one, make decisions based on the future that we know is going to happen and the likelihood of it's, uh, that it's actually going to happen, right? It, it's easy to get scared about unknowns, right? We don't know what the tax code is going to be like in two years. We don't know what tax rates are going to be like. We don't know. We can't make decisions based on unknowns. We have to make decisions based on knowns. And we need to know what our income is going to be in retirement, what, what our distributions are going to be in retirement. Let's try to make these decisions based upon evidence. I'm a firm believer that any financial decision you you make needs to be overwhelmingly obvious. If you do not feel like this decision is overwhelmingly obvious that you should be making it, then it is probably the wrong decision. Wow. Can we get more information about Roth conversions at yields4u.com? Yes. So if you go to yields4u.com, if you go under services, tax minimization, I have over there, uh, short video and a long video uh, where I go through in depth more of, you know, how I think about this. And if you're thinking about doing a Roth conversion, if you're looking for ways to minimize taxes, let my team take a look at your taxes. We'll go through, we'll do an entire uh, analysis for you. We'll look at your strengths, your weaknesses, opportunities, the things that would keep us up at night. And we'll help you make that decision for you. That's something we do for free. That's our pleasure. We are on a mission to help as many people retire as possible. And this is one of the things we do to help people. Thank you, Libel. We look forward to hearing from you again next week. Libel's website is yields for you. That's yields for you.com. Yields, the number four, the letter U.com. I'm Freddie Bell, and more New Beginnings is straight ahead.
It's new beginnings, and did you know today is National French Fried Shrimp Day? Yes, seafood lovers unite. It's National French Fried Shrimp Day. Enjoy it all year long. This delicious dish delights many across the country. Americans eat more shrimp than any other seafood. The word prawn is used loosely to describe any large shrimp, sometimes known as jumbo shrimp. Some countries use the word prawn exclusively for all shrimp. Today is National French Fried Shrimp Day. Yum! And here are today's words to the wise: Live simply. Today's words to the wise: Live simply. You can find this and more in my brand new book entitled "Words to the Wise." Anywhere books are sold. I'm Freddie Bell, and we'll be right back. The holiday season is here, and what better gift to give than the gift of positivity, enlightenment, and of course, good cheer? The ultimate holiday gift this year: Words to the Wise by Freddie Bell. Available at Barnes and Noble, Amazon, and FreddieBell.com. Ensure the special people on your holiday list are greeted each day with a positive, thoughtful, yet uplifting message. So this holiday season, give the gift you know they'll love. Words to the Wise by Freddie Bell. It's now time to welcome the Reverend James Stacy at Unity South Twin Cities. They have two services each week at 9 a.m. and at 10:30. The first is interactive, and the second service a more traditional service. We now join the Reverend James Stacy as he begins a lesson entitled "Unity: The Wonder Drug." We join that service already in progress. The ones who survived had something to live for—a commitment. A purpose outside the camps that gave them the strength to keep going, as he described, asking, "What makes me happy?" Does nothing for you. It focuses your thoughts on how life has not met your expectations. But asking, "What is life asking of me?" Or as I often quote Rudolf Steiner, "What is your task?" He would ask his students. "What is life asking of me?" Erases want and desire and dissatisfaction, and focuses your mind on your why. In the words of Helen Keller, many persons have a wrong idea of what constitutes true happiness. It is not attained through self-gratification, but through fidelity to a worthy purpose. Our step three prescription is to build our other focus, our compassion, consistently. People right in your path need your help, and it doesn't take much to serve them. But to do that and reap the benefits of giving. You have to see them, and make the courageous leap to ask their need. How can I help? Before you act, do you hear me? Hear that distinction? To ask, how can I help? Before I just swoop in and start helping in a way that I think is what they need. 
So asking first, then being willing to help with that guidance. Finding common ground is our step four of the prescription. We do have things in common. Holly just sang about it. We love our children. We're humbled by a beautiful sunset. We cry when a loved one dies. We vow that tomorrow we won't procrastinate. Tomorrow I'll start that new diet or I'll begin my exercise program. We have many things in common. Yet, a 2017 study from Louisiana State University and the University of Maryland looked at the rise in our toxic political divide. 1,000 Americans were polled, and it was found that 40% of Republicans and 40% of Democrats defined the opposing party as downright evil. 20% agreed that members of the other side lacked the traits to be considered fully human. 5 to 15% of each party said they'd endorse acts of violence against their opponents. That's a sorry state of affairs. But there is still hope. In a representative study from the University of Toronto of 246 adults, it was found that on average... Nine unique opportunities to empathize empathize with others arose daily for the participants. That we do have opportunities in our life to understand one another, to feel what one another is going through. And if you remember our definition from last week of compassion, It's not only feeling what others are experiencing. It's a sincere desire to work to help them. It's not just feeling. It's also the desire to help, to take action. Once again, these researchers in Toronto found that empathy in daily life, consistently practiced, was associated with increased well-being. It's a good medicine. An important term in this research is the in-group, which is used by psychologists to define people in your bubble, in your realm. While an out-group is a term for those you don't personally relate to, agree with, or even know. They are the other for you. Now, furthermore, in this serious vein, we know from the life work of Elie Wiesel, a historian of the Nazi movement in World War II, the great danger that is possible when we define people as the other. Not me, but the other. 
So the more we can get to know outsiders to us, the less we will hate and fear them. So the step four prescription our doctors give to us is to look for opportunities to be empathetic far and wide by talking to people you'd otherwise not come into contact with and educating yourself about other cultures, both at home and abroad. If you can make at least one friend in an out group, you'll have more empathy for that entire population. You'll be more helpful, more inclusive overall, and you'll think of yourself in a different, happier way. Assume good intent in others and seek to understand them. Dr. Maria Nemeth, whose work, Mastering Life's Energy, I have often uh, quoted, suggests when you see a stranger to think to yourself, this person has dreams and goals in life that are very important to them. I've practiced this myself. And if you aren't doing it, I suggest that you try. When you see the other, a stranger, someone you don't know, just remind yourself that they have dreams and goals in life. They have people they love in their life, just like you do, at the same time. Our step four in the prescription is to see it. To see it. There is something called numeracy bias. It's the assumption that it's impossible for one person to make a meaningful difference given the scope of problems in the world. But I remind you of our story from last week. The little girl on the beach who threw a stranded starfish, one of thousands washed up on the beach, she threw one of them back into the ocean. And she declared, I made a difference to that one. It's a great reminder whenever we take a compassionate action to meet a need, to see or visualize the difference we've made for an individual rather than focusing on a great population. It's time for It Happened This Week. In 1899, the wooden golf tee was patented by George Grant of Boston, Massachusetts. In 1900, Charles Schwab formed the United States Steel Company. It became one of the richest companies in the world. In 1946, Tide Detergent was introduced. In 1975, Sarah Jane Moore pled guilty to charges of trying to kill President Gerald Ford. In San Francisco, she was sentenced to life in prison, but released on parole in 2007 after serving 32 years of her life sentence. It happened this week, and I'm Freddie Bell. 
That's our show for this week. And a special thanks to all of our guests, including Joe McKenzie, Leipel Sternbach, Jay Hapala from AARP Minnesota, and of course you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for calling. Thank you for following us on Instagram and sending your tweets through Twitter. For everyone who's been a part of this one, I'm Freddie Bell saying that every day is a chance for a new beginning. We'll see you next time.